0: I was I was running into a problem with it. Not really a problem, just a problem. Not a real problem, just like oh, okay, run down it's no, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> um. All right, uh, I think I'm good to go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Five Report, the podcast that is still suffering from nightmares over what happened to Bo, possibly happened to Bo Peep in Toy Story Three. My name is Drew. Along with me is always is Peter. Howdy. And also along with us on our journey, because this podcast wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for our sound guy Ryan. Okay, so uh, what are we watching? Um, I actually have been really actually watching stuff, so... <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I actually don't know if I've watched anything new. I'm all caught up on Titans now, so I was oh. pretty excited about that. Um, so, let me... So, now that you're caught up on Titans, yes. so uh, you've watched... Yeah, so you've watched this the most recent episode where we got to see Jason Todd. Yes, before. yeah, that was okay. awesome. Um, there's only one episode that I dislike, and it's weird. It's the Doom Patrol episode. (laughs) Interesting. And I don't dislike the episode as a whole. I just, it, some of the characters, like, I just, I don't really know how I feel about that episode. (laughs) Right. Cause, um, well, some of the characters aren't necessarily that likable, but, uh, I don't know. My friend at work was actually telling me who's, he's more familiar with the Doom Patrol than I am. And he was telling me how the, uh, the main doctor guy actually is supposed to be kind of a jerk. So I guess that's kind of well, excusable. I mean, but my, my experience with the doom patrol is very, again, doom patrol was never a top tier kind of mm. thing for me. Um, it was always kind of one of the subpar comic en- entities in the terms of obscure, like Guardians of the galaxy or something. Cause you know, it hasn't been like Guardians of the galaxy now is mainstream, but for <laughs> yeah. me reading, it wasn't really an importance. Um, so I don't have an issue with the characters, per se. Everything just... That episode, for some reason, just felt completely separate from the other well, yeah, that, Titan, what they're doing on that show. <laughs> that's so, accurate. I think I um, think that's why I didn't like... I, thought I think I, that's why I liked it the least. So most... Uh, I think most superhero shows tend to have kind of a uh, freak of the week sort of uh, formula to them, where every episode there's like... A specific villain that you have to fight off each time and yeah there might be an overarching story but there's still like a lot of times the episodes are more segmented and like titans it's kind of not that way like everything is just like free flowing where it's like almost like the opposite of the freak of the week formula it's like every episode is just like a small piece of like a large movie so to speak right. and doom patrol so far i think is the only one that is kind of just a segmented separated episode so right. maybe that's why that might be why i had an issue with it I'm like, yeah this doesn't feel like the show that i've been watching <laughs> yeah. i mean so. I, I liked the doom patrol episode a lot but i can definitely understand that because it didn't necessarily fit in but i mean i watched let's see i watched the first two episodes and then in one sitting i actually watched episodes three through five and the Doom Patrol one's part of that, but honestly the episodes kind of blend together for me because it's not that okay. sort of well, segmented I'm gonna tell you, storytelling. I've said, it, I've said it already, but I really want more hawk and dove, so I hope that, Yeah. I hope there's more of that. The Hawk um, and Dove episode might be my favorite so it's, far. Right now it's mm. my favorite, but I also expressed my interest for Jason Todd, so I'm really <laughs> looking forward to this week's episode. Yeah. I think we're at a really exciting spot though. I think like the team's kind of finally together more or less so i think from now on it's going to pick up and there's going to be a lot more just action and sweet team fight cool. scenes and all that so um all right so i watched i started watching castlevania on netflix how's that have you watched any i haven't of watched any of it it's awesome nice um I've, i i don't want to say i've been putting it off watching this but it's more of a i watch stuff before i go to work in the morning like, I have, like, this moment where I finish getting ready for work, and I'm just eating my cereal, and I'm getting ready to leave, but I have the news going while I'm making my lunch and, you okay. know, getting ready for the day so I can hear the weather, and then when I sit down to eat my cereal, I got, like, this half-an-hour window, so I've been watching, like, an episode of something a day. Okay, yeah. Um, so I've been looking for half-an-hour, like, stuff, and Castlevania is a half-an-hour animated series oh, nice. on Netflix. And so I've been kind of pumping through them. I got through season one, which is only four episodes, so that's nice and short. But season two is like eight episodes. I'm in the middle of season two. It's so good. If you are a fan of the video game Castlevania or if you just like animated stuff, it's fantastic. It's very adult. It's very rated R um, for language and violence. and You know, they haven't... It's it's just great nice and like i really look forward to watching more of it so. <laughs> <laughs> i need to catch up it's one of, ever since i heard about it i've been interested and it's just kind of been i just haven't gotten to watch it yet like there's i just have add i guess and that's, i'll just go and get distracted by something i think, that, and I think that's why new. i think that's what took me so long to start watching it but then when i realized i could be watching this stuff in the morning before i go to work and like kind of start my day and like start my day in my world do you know what i mean like you know a lot you know you wake up some people need their cup of coffee to get going. Maybe I just need that immediate <laughs> that immediate escapism where I'm not a part of the real world just, for half an hour. And <laughs> you might drink coffee. I just need some anime to get me pumped for the day. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it, like whether I'm doing that or like, there's um, I caught up on uh, Gotham. Yeah. That way over the summer because I was, half like, episodes I was, or I was watching half an episode every day, and it was kind of it was nice, but I was able to get caught up and uh, you know. But it re- made me realize, like, maybe I just need, like, my thing right away in the morning to get me going. And, you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. So that's it's cool. been kind of nice. Um, something else I watched was a movie called The Boy. Yeah. Um, this <laughs> to, came, I've seen this movie. This came it's... as a heavy, heavy recommendation by a couple people. So Interesting. Um, okay. I was very, like, you have to go watch this. You have to let us know. So I was like, all right, time to sit down and watch The Boy. Um, so... If you don't know this movie, I'm going to be very spoiler-free about this in case you're interested. It's um, Lauren Cohan from The Walking Dead, who was really nice because it was nice to have a familiar face in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's the main character. She is going to be a nanny for this couple that's going on vacation for a few months. They're going on like a two-month vacation, and... um, I think it was two months. It was two months or two weeks. Something, yeah. Uh, but anyway, they're going on vacation, but they're not taking their child. They're just going to get away for a little bit, and she's going to, like, nanny until they get back. Yeah. And it's in England in this creepy-looking <laughs> house. And um, she gets there, and she meets the child for the first time, and it's a porcelain doll. Yeah. Which is really creepy, but there's rules, right? Mm. And... Um, She's got to, like, read to him every day and let him listen to music every... You know, that kind of thing. And she's got to prepare food for him. And, you know, there's a guy who comes by the house every week and delivers groceries. And he knows about the boy and he treats it like it's a real thing. And, you know, (laughs) she doesn't really know how to take it. Well, what I thought was interesting about it was there's this, like... It's a ghost... There's all this ghost story element to the movie. But the ending... The more I think about it, the more I like it. But when I finished watching the movie, I really didn't know how I felt about the ending. <laughs> right. Because I don't want to use the word twist. But the direction I thought it was going changes directions. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes a different way. And I don't I don't want to call it a twist. I want to call it more of a curveball. Does that make do you understand the. Yeah, it's um, it's really hard to say what it, it's. So the, the events of the movie, they have ways of explaining what is going on, and the explanation is not necessarily what you expect it to be. Right. From yeah, from the get go. Right. So when you, as I, the more I processed the movie, as I put those pieces together, and they laid. Here's the thing: if I would have been paying attention more and not thinking too he- trying to think ahead of the movie. Yeah. I probably would have seen the ending coming. Because yeah. they lay seeds to a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's true. And then you true. get to see the ending. I think it's a lot more predictable in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. And not because, oh, I've seen the movie, I know it's coming. As in, oh, there's lines of dialogue. And there's physical things that happen on screen that lead you to how this movie ends. Um, overall, yeah. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, it was it was a very surprising movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I liked the, I liked the boy. Um, I think it's... And I it's- remember thinking the people, sorry to interrupt you, but the yeah. people who told me to watch this movie, I'm like, I don't like creepy dolls. <laughs> and they don't know this, but they yeah. told me I had to watch this movie, so whatever. But I didn't really find the doll that creepy. No, yeah. It- you know what I mean? It wasn't the normal creepy doll doll thing. I, yeah, I wasn't really creeped out by it. I don't know if I was that scared during the movie, but the, the more listening to you talk about it, it, makes me like the movie more. Like, I kind of uh, schlocked it off to be, like, not the greatest movie, but I still found it really entertaining while watching, but how we're talking about how the movie goes in a direction that you don't necessarily see coming. There's, I just keep, uh, I always think about, would the movie have been better if it went the direction you thought it was going to begin with? And that's what I don't know that that would necessarily be the case. So. Right. Well, when the weird stuff started happening around the house, you don't believe it right away. But then you start to believe it. Yeah. And I think that's where I was in that state of, I fully believe this. Mm-hmm. And that's when the movie took its turn. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. My beliefs are being changed. You know, and I think that's what it is, as opposed to a twist or a you know, yeah. change in direction of the story. I think they, was just, they shook the idea of what I had in my head and changed the way I was thinking, which maybe that's what it yeah. is. But I think, like, thinking about it, it is, like, a cool story. It's just if you go in expecting, like, The Exorcist or The Shining or, like, some really b- groundbreaking horror movie, you might be disappointed. Um and it's a really easy movie to make fun of, but it's I think it's really entertaining I just, to watch overall. I just thought know. it was really unique, <laughs> for sure. You know, um, and it was a really good sit, and I'm really glad I watched it. So yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you watch anything else or just Titans? Pretty much just Titans. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm gonna but, yeah. I'm gonna swing back to Titans a little bit. I, okay, have a, so- I have something to say later when we get to it in the news because there was a new not a news story about Titans, but it made me think about something that we talked about a few weeks ago. Cool. So let's hit some news stuff. Um we had a lot of stuff hit the even though Stanley passed away um aside from that uh if you guys listened that we released a Stanley special episode uh so you guys can hear us gush about our love for Stanley and everything we created but aside from that there was a lot of news that hit the news desk and um so I pulled some highlights um let's talk about the Toy Story 4 trailer real quick did you watch it <laughs> yeah actually i think there was actually two tra- teaser trailers yeah, there released? Was. okay so i watched them both um Well, let's see, the first one is, uh, all of the Toy Story characters kind of dancing around holding hands to, um, I don't know what song's playing, like a 60s, like, kind of (laughs) hippie-ish song or something, and, uh they're dancing around, and then all of a sudden there's this random character that's made out of a spork and, like, pipe cleaners who shows up, (laughs) and you see, like, all these recognizable faces, and then the spork shows up, and you're like, who the heck is that? And then he just screams, like, I don't belong, or something, and then starts running around all crazy, and it was just one of those weird things where it's just like, um, alright, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know who that is, but he's got a character poster, too. Yeah. Um. Um... the second teaser is the one that really made me laugh because it, it's not like they gave any story content. It's Pixar. They're not going to give a story content, and I really appreciate that. Um, they hide all that stuff until the end. But they uh, they had the second one had the the Carnival Toys talking about they're coming out with a new Toy Story movie. I yeah. couldn't remember the exact Uh, Buzz Lightyear's catchphrase line which made me laugh because then Buzz comes out and says it and they're like, that's dumb. (laughs) Who thinks they... You can't go beyond infinity. You're stupid. Like, (laughs) you know, that one, it just really made me laugh. Um, I'm really excited for Toy Story. I got a text message from a friend. Now, Toy Story 4, by the way, was announced like two, almost three years ago. Yeah. They announced that they were working on this movie. Um, I got a text message from a friend the day that teaser those teasers dropped, and they were, she said, oh my god, they're making a Toy Story 4 movie. Uh, I'm so excited. To which I responded with, I've known about this for like two years. If I knew <laughs> yeah. you were such a fan, <laughs> I would have let you know. So it just made me laugh, and then we had a really cool conversation about our love for Toy Story 3 and that kind of thing. Yeah, so. I mean, the thing is like, Toy Story 3 ended so well that I almost like, Didn't think they needed a Toy Story forum. No, no, but then. If you look at the Toy Story track record with Pixar, like, they've been knocking it out out of the park every time. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now and just be excited for this movie. You know what I mean? I hear you there. Um, So uh, I'm going to shift gears and we're going to go a little more adult. Uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. It's coming to a close. Uh, In April, correct? In April. Yeah, and they said, um, so. Every episode officially will be longer than an hour. That's all they're saying. Originally they were like originally the reports were hour and a half to 2 hours length then they were the final two the all it's like 6 episodes so the first 4 are going to be just over an hour and then the final two will be 2 hours each. Now they're just saying they're over an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, they might be in the editing room and realize like, oh, this actually becomes better if we cut out these fifteen minutes or something. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. I, 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 look, we all want more Game of Thrones all the time. Um, but I found there's an interesting quote here, and that's the only that's the real reason I brought this up. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting quote. Uh, from, the Nikolai Costor Waldo, if I pronounced his name correctly. Um who plays Jamie Lannister. Okay. I have, and I'm going to say this specifically for our listeners in case you go track this quote down, I have edited the quote in terms of I'm only reading the first half of it. He doesn't release any spoilers, but it's what he says in the quote that made me go, oh, <laughs> Okay. if I remember that he said that, I might... It's You know how I said you don't want to use the word twist because if I say you're looking for a twist, then <laughs> yeah. if I say, oh, man, you'll never see the twist coming... Well, now I'm looking for a twist, so that's technically a spoiler. He says something in the vein of that. Oh, wow. Or like, you know what I mean? So I didn't want to say what he said because, and by all means, he does not mention a twist. He does not say, I never would have saw that coming. He does not say, that's not what he says. It's the way he words his sentence that made me go, crap, that could have technically been a spoiler because now I want to think about things a different way when I watch the show and I don't want that. But I thought this was really cool. Um, His quote, the first half of the quote that I'm going to read says, I wrote the writers when I finished reading, and I just said, I don't think you could have done a better job at finishing this story. To me, it was very satisfying, but also very surprising, and all the things that I was hoping for. So, you know, they leave off, they left off season seven and we were super excited for the ending of this show. We know we have only six episodes coming. We know it's coming to a close. And the Double Ds now have to go into the writer's room and take on this impossible task of closing this show. Yeah. And to hear one of the actors say that is awesome. And I just wanted to no, know, that's kind great. of point that out. That that's, It just made me more excited. We are 442 <laughs> days without Game of Thrones. Oh, Not wow. that I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, that that's a long time, and I can't wait for the next. I can't wait for the show to come back, and it makes me excited for the possibility of what the prequel show is going to be. Because they said uh, we know that Naomi Watts is going to be playing one of the lead characters, hmm. and the show is going to take place eight thousand years before the show that we just finished watching. And you think to yourself, "Wow, that's a really long time." Well, what I like about that being the distance of time is that they said that it's so far removed from the show you just watched that you might not be aware that this character is Daenerys' great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. Yeah. That's Um, really interesting. So you can just watch the show and there's not enough connections. But, you know, so... Basically, HBO probably looked at Game of Thrones and said, we want to do a prequel series because George R.R. R. Martin wrote this massive, massive amount of history. So, because he's got all this history written, is there a show that we could do off this history? Well, what makes money? White Walkers and Dragons. <laughs> so, yeah. in the history, where are the, where do we have a plethora of White Walkers and Dragons? Okay, the story <laughs> we're telling, right. and then look back at the history part. and. If they say that, if that's the plan, White Walkers and Dragons, and that far back, I have a guess as to what I think um, the series is going to be about, so I'm going to say this is coming from me, and this is my fan theory. I hate the term fan theory, but (laughs) my guess is that they're going to tell the story of how the Targaryens originally took over Westeros. Oh, yeah. Which would be, you know, like, so clearly we eventually get to Daenerys and her dragons, but you know, we're going to get to see some dragons and some white walkers and, you know, I awesome. think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So that would be my guess. Um, Sweet. but all right. So, uh, bad boys three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I heard about this. this has been a long time coming. Has it been? Yeah. This, okay. They keep, this is a, this is a, we're going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're going to do it. We're not going to do it. There's a script. Oh, Hey, there's not a script. It's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been kind of ridiculous, but Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are both going to come back for bad boys three. Now, I liked Bad Boys 2. I know it's a Michael Bay film, and he gets a bad rap for stuff, but I liked the first two movies. I remember watching Bad Boys 2 in the theater, really enjoying it, and when it got done, I was like, you're sitting in your It was almost a three-hour-length movie, yeah. and I'm like, by the time the movie got over, I didn't feel like I was sitting there for three hours, and I'm like, I want more. Mm-hmm. Like I, was just ex- I wanted more of the story. The reason I bring up Bad Boys 3 is because I think the title is a little cringeworthy, yeah, yeah, that's what uh, seems to be the general consensus. Yeah, so the title for Bad Boys Three is going to be titled Bad Boys for Life, but the E at the end of Life is the letter three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's really all I got to say about it. I just I thought that was interesting. Like they finally have a title, the cast is locked in, and the title makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it does, but it's also it makes me laugh. And I mean, I feel like maybe Bad Boys for Life three fits the movie (laughs) right um yeah do you have anything to say about it or do you like um not necessarily I mean I like the first two movies Um, Okay. I'm not a Michael Bay hater I think sometimes he's does good things sometimes he doesn't but uh yeah I mean I'll definitely watch it okay (laughs) um all right let's talk about Ghostbusters 3 Yeah, okay, let's. Okay, when I say Ghostbusters 3, for the audience that might not understand, they had two Ghostbusters movies with Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and the like, so Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And then they made a third Ghostbusters movie with Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones and Kristen Wiig. So, my problem with the new Ghostbusters movie, the all-female cast... Now, I want to make myself very clear when I say this, because I don't want someone to jump down our throats for saying that we're sexist. I feel that all those women are funny. I feel that they deserve to have a movie like that. But, at the time that they said that they were going to do an all-female Ghostbusters cast, they didn't have a script. Okay. So, like, they came out and said, we're going to do an all females Ghostbusters movie. Without a script... They kind of shoehorned themselves into this corner of well, now we have to deliver, yeah, without any pre-production work. That, that's interesting. I actually not if it was me, that. I would have said we want to do another Ghostbusters movie. We want to have a mm-hmm. female cast, um, but we're open to having to do what we got to do. And then you write the script as gender neutral as possible, and then cast accordingly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the new Ghostbusters with the females in them is a it's a funny movie. I liked it to a point, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, But I feel that those women are really funny. They're incredible actresses. I just feel that they should have been given something original and not a dead franchise. Okay. Does that make sense? And that is why I say... That's why I said what I... I'm like, I'm not... I have no problem with them doing this. I just think they did it kind of a backwards way of kind of shoehorning. Like, they kind of got stuck doing it a specific way. Yeah. And then... I mean, they delivered, but I don't think they delivered in the way they could have. And the reason I say that is, if you watch Ghostbust, the new Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, they all make cameos in the movie. The Firehouse is in the movie, mm-hmm. but they don't make reference to the Ghostbusters at all. Yeah. It's its own thing. So it's almost as if the first, the original two movies never existed. And that kind of bugged me. That was my that is my biggest problem with the movie, is that they didn't acknowledge the original movies. Okay. They didn't have a line of dialogue. One line of dialogue, and I wouldn't I would have no problem with this, is they could have just had someone say, Didn't a group of guys try this a few years back? <laughs> yeah. That is all they had. <laughs> when someone goes, I think we can catch a ghost, you have one guy, you have one of the girls say, Didn't a couple guys try this a few years ago? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but you handed me this story, so I'm going to let you roll with this. So, basically, I don't know if it was in an interview or something, but uh, essentially, Dan Aykroyd has revealed that Ghostbusters 3 is being written. There is a script (laughs) for Ghostbusters 3, a direct continuation from Ghostbusters 2. The last movie to have, you know, Dan Aykroyd, right. Bill Murray, yeah. uh, Harold Ramis. Well, Harold uh, Ramis passed away, yeah. so he won't be in Ghostbusters he, Obviously, for sure. Yeah, but I was just but, saying that's, like, the last one with yeah. those people. And they actually wanted Dan Aykroyd, who had a big part in writing the original... Uh, Scripts And then I think Harold Ramis came yeah. in and kind of script-doctored doctored them up. Yeah, to and then Ivan Reitman, who directed them, came in and helped as well. Yeah, um, and then, uh, so Dan Aykroyd's working with somebody. I'm not necessarily sure, but he's working on a third script. Now, whether this will actually happen or not, we're not really sure. Well, that's the sure. thing, is when they were talking about this all-female Ghostbusters movie... They were talking about the Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters movie. Like, there were going to be two (laughs) Ghostbusters movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And then the Dan Aykroyd one was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this (laughs) one with the girls. So then they do that. And I was like, oh, that's fine. We got this one. It's funny. It's good. It is what it is, you know. Mm. Um... And now we're hearing about the Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters again. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? However, at the time when there were potentially two Ghostbusters movies happening, they talked about how they were going to do a whole shared universe Ghostbusters. (laughs) That'd be crazy. A Ghostbusters shared universe, and it was just going to be this big, like, Ghostbusters thing. and. I mean, okay, but that was also when everyone realized what Marvel was doing. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone had a shared universe. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, maybe if the most recent Ghostbuster movie did better, they would have actually moved forward with a shared universe. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like... uh, Think of Dan Aykroyd. What I know of him when he... uh, From what I've heard is his original scripts for Ghostbusters was very um, science-heavy and very ghost-heavy. And he was, like, like, he's really into the actual, like, supernatural world and, like, the actual idea of catching ghosts. And it was actually, like, Harold Ramis had to be like, well, you know you have to make these, like characters people can relate to you need to kind of dumb it down in a lot of ways for the general audience and so that I think Harold Ramis brought a lot of the character and humor into it but Dan Aykroyd was just like all in like obsessed with ghosts and stuff so I kind of like to think of Ghostbusters 3 as a project that he might have said at one point yeah I'm gonna leave this behind but he just like he can't leave it behind because he's actually so into it and so right. excited no, about I it. Agree. You know what I mean? Um, Ghostbusters, one of the things I love about the original two Ghostbusters is when I watched them as a kid, like when they came out, I was a kid. Mm. And everybody, at the time that those movies came out, every kid was running around their yard with a backpack and a gun because they were yeah. trying to be a Ghostbuster and they had <laughs> to do that. Everyone had to have their makeshift ghost their proton pack. Um, some really cool stuff. Uh well, you watch them as a kid and it's cool and it's fun and it's ghost busting. Then you watch them as an adult and those movies are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I watched it as an adult and I was like, "Wow, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen and now I'm old enough to understand all the humor." Yeah, for sure. And I don't know and I don't know if the new like the all female Ghostbusters movie is going to age that way. Um, maybe it's because I'm already an adult and i got all the jokes right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I've, I've watched it like three or four I think, times, um, so, you know, it's good enough for me to watch it multiple viewings, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I do think the original Ghostbusters do have an element of just being so, uh, like they are hilarious, but they're also just written extremely well. And like so many of the lines, there's so much subtext to them and like so much like just humor that could go over your head if you don't even realize it and they're just really they're written really well and very intricately i think and that helps with like how they age too i think so. yeah yeah anyway like if ghostbusters 3 is really happening that's awesome <laughs> yeah I just, for sure i just thought it was weird like when you sent me the article i was like what's this <laughs> i think i sent it to you because it kind of just caught me off guard so right like and, I want... and, I, and when i saw it i was like it caught me off guard." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's one of those awesome things that we talk about now and we're excited for it and we might forget about it, but then hopefully years from now we (laughs) see a trailer or another announcement. So, Right. Um, all right. So one more piece of news. Um, so birds of prey is coming out. Yeah. All right. So they're making a, DC is making a birds of prey movie. Now, if a lot of people, if you don't know what the birds of prey is, birds of prey are, it's kind of like the female Batman family, I guess you could say, uh, it's huntress. Um, Harley Quinn, uh, Black Canary, mm-hmm. Batgirl. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really cool comic if you know Birds of Prey. Um, but uh, what I think is interesting, they've been announcing some cast members for it, right? Yeah. Um, so officially, I mentioned a while back in a previous episode that they were going to have Black Mask was going to be the villain of villain yeah. Birds of Prey. And that's a character that has really made, like, makes my skin crawl when I read comics. Like, that's mm-hmm. one of those Batman villains that, like, really I have issues with because of how brutal they make him. Like, on the on the level of torture and whatnot. Wow. Um, he is going to be played by Ewan McGregor. Which is awesome. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Ewan McGregor really has some range from Christopher Robin to Black Mask. That's fantastic. <laughs> um. So I don't know if I've seen... Sorry, I, I don't know if I've seen you and McGregor play a proper villain either. Like, So it'll be really interesting. It's going to gonna be interesting. He's also going to have a mask over his face, so... I mean, but still voice acting, and then you don't know if you, you'll you see him without the mask right. on, too. Well, so. what's interesting is, is the movie is rated R, mm-hmm. officially. Um, and it sounds like they're trying to go hard R with this in terms of violence and language. So it's just like, that's interesting. DC is going to looks like DC is like, hey, you know what? We're just going to go and stay with this dark, edgy universe and be consistent and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead is going to play Huntress, yeah, which, which I is thought a... was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Canary, I cannot remember the girl's name, but it's not easy to pronounce. Um, yeah, it's uh, something, Belle, I, I think? Or... I, 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 it's not an easy to pronounce name, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to mess it up. Um, yeah, I actually like that actress, though, a lot. She was in... Uh, True Blood, and I thought she was really cool And True Blood. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the one that really caught my attention was Cassandra Kane is going to be in the movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, she's going to be played by a girl named Ella J. Uh, Vasco. Okay. Uh, she's from Grey's know. Anatomy, and she was on Veep and mostly television stuff. Right. I looked her up on IMDb, and she doesn't even have a picture. Wow. That will change because now she's on a high-profile <laughs> comic yeah. book movie, and she's going to have to have a picture up. Um, the reason this caught my attention is because we have a Joker movie coming out and we're not sure if Batman's in the Joker movie. We have a Birds of Prey movie that looks like it's going to take place in Gotham City and it's got all these characters from these movies and we don't know if Batman's going to be in the movie or he's going to be referenced. Mm-hmm. Cassandra Kane, if you don't read comic books, is the second Batgirl. Now we have to explain Batgirl without Batman. We have Teen Titans, where they're skirting around the idea of showing Batman. Yeah. We have a Matt Reeves Batman movie coming out, and we don't know who's playing Batman yet. I talked about there being a Batman problem that DC is going to run into, and I feel like we've hit the Batman problem, like, head-on. Yeah. I think we're getting into this really weird territory um, the Arrowverse on CW is about to do their big crossover. It's going to take place in Gotham City, and there's going to be no Batman. <laughs> yeah. So, it's we're getting into this weird territory where they have to do something about the Batman stuff. Yeah. And I honestly think Batman is going to be in Birds of Prey and they don't want to tell us. Oh, interesting. So, I've actually That's heard my the theory. Bird. I think I think he's going to be in the movie and they do not want to tell us because they have not decided who's going to play Batman yet and they don't want to you know Affleck has said that he wants to play Batman one more time i thought so, so i thought i heard um and i could be wrong i thought i heard that he, in his contract he actually is supposed to appear as Batman one more time. Um, I, I, I heard that I don't he's know supposed if that's to be in Suicide not. Squad 2. And that's what I was going to say is I don't know if it's like in the contract that it has to be Suicide Squad 2 or just another DC movie. So I don't know. I also had read back when they originally signed him that he had signed on to play Batman 13 times. <laughs> right. Well, And he's already done it, what, four times, uh, I think, or three? Batman, Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice, Justice League. League. So that's three. But so when you ten more when, times. Ten more times. <laughs> but when you think about how Samuel Jackson plays Nick Fury in the Marvel films, sometimes he's only in the movie for two minutes and then exactly. he's gone. You never see well, him I mean, again. So that's how did, it was in Suicide Squad. Right. The Batman cameo was really short. So if you were to do stuff like that, I see how you can stack up thirteen movies real fast. Yeah. But I mean, I do think they in this in the D C universe of movies they've already established ben affleck as batman so i feel like if they do need to skirt around the issue of talking about batman in a movie or having things related to batman in a movie without having ben affleck or batman actually appear i feel like they can do that there, there is a biased opinion where i'm sitting on this discussion because i want to see batman <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> um but i just think they're running into this we they're kind of putting themselves in this weird corner do you know what I mean? And I don't... It's 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 bizarre to talk so much about Batman but not actually talk about Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, Gotham is coming to an end. This is the final... This year will be the final season. And you're... This is the fifth and final season of Gotham, and they're finally going to show you Batman, and then they're going to end the show. Yeah. And here's me going, we haven't had a Batman show, like a live-action Batman show, technically, since 1966. Can we have a live-action Batman show at this point? Just give it to me. And I mean, this whole... uh, They might have specified, like, Batman can appear on TV and live-action, and this could have been something they specified years ago. And, like, TV nowadays is so good that... I mean, back when they said this, it might have been like TV wasn't necessarily... TV shows weren't as good as they are today because we are kind of in a golden age of television, so to speak. So, I mean, maybe they'll change their rules and they'll allow Batman to appear on CW or whatever. To be honest, I just think... I think DC, because of what they do with their TV properties, just give the TV guys all the toys. All of them. Oh, for sure. You do what you want to do. And we're going to do our stuff with the, We'll do our stuff with the movies for sure and whatever. But you guys just tell the stories you're doing because it's so good over there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I just, I'm curious to see how this is going to pan out. I'm very excited for Birds of Prey because I've always liked that comic. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be awesome to see. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's All right. a big question mark at this point. So. <laughs> right. Well, um, I think that's it for the news. Um, So, you want to start talking the list? Sounds great. Uh, Ryan, you want to play that fancy new bumper? And now for the top five. Cool. All right, so let's talk the list. This was my pick. So, I'll lead us into this and then we'll discuss. I thought this would be a goofy pick. And something difficult to do because um, there's a lot of bad in there, but there's also a lot of golden gems. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it got us to talk about some good stuff and some bad stuff at the same time, but this is our favorite. So we're doing third installments. Mm-hmm. Um, and third installments means it has to be the third of a franchise. Um, so, like, you know... It's the third movie. It's the third. It's the it's the third of whatever we're watching. So Harry Potter three, for example, could be on the list. Um, I'm gonna say right now, none of the Marvel films are on here. Um, And the reason I'm um, saying that ahead of time is because I know I know there's got to be at least one listener going, oh, I wonder if they picked Captain America three. You know, yeah. Um, The reason is because if you watch Captain America one, two, and three back to back. I think you can because of how closely tied like the Bucky storyline is. But I feel like there's enough between the movies that makes it weird without knowledge from other films. I would so agree it made that, me start it start it made me start looking at the Marvel the 20 long list Marvel movies as one franchise. <laughs> so <laughs> so the third movie is Iron Man 2. Is it? Yeah. Oh, for some reason I was thinking it was Thor. So did I. Okay. It's, it goes Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, then Thor, then Captain okay. America, then Avengers. But it's one story yeah. being told over all these movies. I think so that's technically, very fair. So technically the third movie is Iron Man 2. If you watch Iron Man 1, 2, and 3 back to back to back, you're missing all this stuff and you're like, "Well, how did why why is he talking about space? <laughs> I haven't seen any space because you didn't watch Avengers." Mm-hmm. So, I just found it really weird to do that and the same goes for like Infinity War. That's technically Avengers 3. Yeah, You know. So, I just figured if I take Marvel out of the equation when I make my list, it'll be more fair because I won't be judging. This. I hope I'm making sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just I just thought be um, weird. If you look at the DCEU, those movies the third installment would be Suicide Squad. Technically, am I getting that uh, right? Yeah. Okay. If you I look just... at the if you look at the if you look at the shared universe one, the third would be Suicide Squad. Okay. So I took out um, the DCEU plus the Marvel, the MCU. Yeah, I actually Completely. wanted to double check that because with both of those, there's a possibility that I'd have to last minute change my oh, list because no, no, I didn't no, no. think about this. Those, is per- yeah. this is personal opinion, but yeah. I didn't want, but I didn't want. A listener to think to themselves, why? <laughs> no, I mean, that's you a know. great explanation because I mean, Captain America. Civil why is, why War isn't he, is he like mentioning great... Civil War? Yeah. Why isn't he mentioning Infinity War? <coughs> mm-hmm. You know, Thor 3 was amazing. He, Thor 3 was amazing, but this comes down to the fact that it sits at the end of like a 20 movie cycle. Yeah. So it's not the third in the franchise, and we're talking about third installments. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, um,. You get first pick, because this uh, this was my list choice. So So I have two honorable mentions, both of them. I actually don't know if they count, and you'll (laughs) see why, but they're honorable (laughs) mentions, so I feel like they don't matter. Um, But my first one is Chasing Amy. So this is the third installment. It's the third (laughs) installment in the uh, New Jersey Chronicles, I think or the Jersey Chronicles, Kevin Smith calls it. It's yeah. all the movies featuring Jay and Silent Bob that are all uh, essentially unrelated plots that are connected by it's characters. in the, it's the view askew universe. I yeah, mean, I see why you're saying that, and it makes me go, man, I should have picked Chasing <laughs> Amy, because I love that movie. Yeah, um, but so, I mean, I'll just roll with my list. I won't make any last-minute changes. While a lot of Kevin Smith's movies are kind of off-the-wall comedies, Chasing Amy is really more of a uh, drama and has a lot more just of like a, it's a romantic comedy basically yeah i guess so. yeah it's, it's kind of a it's kevin smith's love story mm-hmm. um i think uh i i watch this movie a lot and i think it's just because of uh being an aspiring comic book creator a movie about indie comic creators like really inspires me like i watch this movie and just think about like man i wish i could create blunt man and chronic or you know one of the other comic books in the movie um but also, like, I just think it's really well written, and uh, I saw this movie when I was in high school, and I couldn't relate to it that much, and I still can't relate to it on a specific level, but getting a little older and going through relationships, it becomes more relatable as you go. Um, the other thing I haven't is, watched it in a while, but... Yeah. Um, the other thing is a lot of people say that uh, this movie doesn't age well, or that it's... A lot of the things in it are considered politically incorrect nowadays, and... I kind of disagree in a way that a lot of the characters that say and do politically incorrect things kind of get screwed over in the end. You know, like Ben Ben Affleck's character in the movie is kind of a douche, but nothing works out for him by the end of the movie if you watch it. So it kind oh, of. Right. I kind of see it that way, but um, overall, I just really enjoy this movie. I don't know yeah. if you have any thoughts on no, it. No, Chasing Amy is a great movie. I. This is. And when you talk of the political incorrectness, I guess you could say, the movie was written for its time yeah everything is very timely in the movie and so you know if the jokes don't land with the millennials it's not our fault it's their fault for not understanding the humor that's in the movie exactly yeah. you know um so this world has kind of taken a weird turn in terms of political correctness and you know you can't say anything without offending anybody mm-hmm. so you know when you watch this movie it he wrote the movie with the intent of telling a specific story, and sometimes, sometimes there's no way to tell the story, but a specific way. Yeah, you know, you can't, you can't tell, you can't cater to anyone. I, I really appreciate the authors who go in and say, "I'm right, you're wrong," I'm telling the story my way because that was my intent. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes that's the case. Uh, this is definitely not his normal Kevin Smith, Jay and Silent Bob adventures. This is. This is a love story. And, yeah, you know it's it's probably it's probably his best movie. Mm. If I had to if I had to pick my all time favorite Kevin Smith movie, it probably wouldn't be this. But if someone said, yeah. "What do I think is his best film?" It's this one. So another thing I really like about this movie is there's a lot of uh, self deprecating humor with that Kevin Smith puts in it. Because if you watch the movie and think of uh, Ben Affleck's character Holden McNeil, if you think of him as he's like a substitute for Kevin Smith where he's working on this uh goofy like stoner comic book about Jay and Silent Bob or Blunt Man, Man and Chronic but he's dealing he's having to struggle with the facts that he wants to be more of a serious writer and he wants to write a bigger and better thing and there's a lot of jokes towards that character like that and I know it's kind of like Kevin Smith struggling with the same things and if you watch uh, more of these movies like in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back there's a lot of similar jokes but a lot of those I think started in Chasing Amy so right. I always just really enjoyed that so alright um, right, well I'm going to move on um, great. I don't want to spend so much time on the honorable mentions sounds good because <laughs> yeah. I, I, we've had some long episodes <laughs> we've just bantered about movies like. <laughs> um, my first honorable mention is Die Hard 3 okay nice um, I really like the Die Hard series as a whole um, but Die Hard 3 so like you have Die Hard 1, it's awesome, everyone loves it. You have Die Hard 2 come out, it's not the best, but it's clear that they were just trying to make another Die Hard movie. And then you have Die Hard 3, which felt like the caliber of the first movie. It's really good, and it's really intense, and you're at the edge of your seat through the whole movie as they're yeah. going on this adventure. Um, I think one of the things that lends to it is is it's directed by the guy who directed the first Die Hard and I think that really shows. I actually never knew that, but that's yeah, cool. I think it really shows. It's like the guy he directed Die Hard one. He didn't do two, but he came back for three. And you're just like, yeah, it's it's visually and and uh, it everything shows that it's clearly the original director. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I really liked this movie. Um, I you should just watch Die Hard. Like it's a fantastic series. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, no, that's awesome. I really enjoy this movie. Um, one of my favorite parts of uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is that. Uh, one, yeah, so it's the like Die Hard yes. with Avengers, not Die <laughs> um, Hard 3. One, one, it's like connected um, really closely to the first movie, which is kind of cool. The connections with uh, just who the villains are and how it all plays out. But another thing is just the villain in this movie is a bomber, and he sends uh, John McClane off to solve a number of puzzles. And uh, McClane ends up befriending uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who's just kind of a random guy that he meets along the way. But they have to solve. All these riddles and puzzles to stop these bombs right. from going off, and that's such a fun part of the movie because, at a point, you're like almost like watching a game show, like you're playing along with them and trying to figure it out, and it's so fun. Like the sort of game, it, aspect and it gets of bigger it. and bigger. And Jeremy Irons is a f- such a great villain. And, yeah, you know, it's everything about it's great. Like all, like it's kind of like certain movies have elements to them and you think you think going into Die Hard 3 what makes a good Die Hard movie and you have to look at all these different elements you have to have the you have to have the fellow cops that don't necessarily agree with McClane and then you have the other guy who's got to yeah. argue with McClane through the whole thing so while you're sitting in the seat going no, <laughs> no McClane's right he's been right the whole time we be just shut up and listen to him yeah you know you want that intensity and there was a certain filmmaking like that in the 90s you know, with Die Hard and like the original lethal weapons and stuff like that. And I feel like we gotten away with a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like we're not doing that right now, and I think that I think if we started making movies like that again, it would really lend to Yeah, that's know. a good point. I don't know, I just really like that one. So mm-hmm. I don't nice. know, go ahead. That's awesome. Okay, so the second movie on my list is The World's End. Have you seen this movie? Or are you familiar with it with it? <laughs> I'll keep I, going. I think I'm confusing so. this movie with something else, so go ahead. You are. I forgot that it came out at the same time as, like, another closely titled movie. Yeah, so, so go ahead. Oh, you're thinking of This Is The End, apparently. Yes, I, I am. So This Is The End is with uh, Seth Rogen and James oh, Franco and all The that. World's End is the um, Nick Frost-Simon Pegg yes, trilogy. Yes, exactly. So yes, it's it's the last movie in the uh, yes. Cornetto trilogy, which was directed yeah. by Edgar Wright and written by Simon Pegg yes. and uh, somebody else, but... <laughs> somebody else. I'm so knowledgeable on this podcast. But uh, anyways, so this movie is <laughs> it's it follows this, up this Shaun of the Dead. Bonkers. It so follows up Shaun of the Dead and uh, uh, what's the other one? Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. I did, not, like, I did not like Hot Fuzz. Okay. Um, I was going to say I think World The uh, the World's End is my favorite movie of this okay. trilogy. And I think it's just because it flows really well as a story, but what it's it essentially... just If you don't know what we're talking about, this isn't really a trilogy where one movie (laughs) leads to the next. It's a group of guys made a movie, they had fun, they decided to make another movie, they had fun, and they made a third movie. (laughs) And according to the movie makers, it's all part of a trilogy, but it's (laughs) not really. They're disconnected stories, but it's essentially the story of a group of guys who have had have this like perfect bar crawl planned out in their hometown and they've tried to do it multiple times and each time and they go into different bars and and they the, don't they never made it to Yeah, the they've end. never made it to the end and the very last bar is called the World's <laughs> End and they all reunite one year to do it and as they're going through trying to get to the world's end they actually come across an apocalyptic situation essentially like they're literally (laughs) facing the end of the world while they're trying to get to the world's end i don't want to give too much about like what's causing the end of the world bonkers mm -hmm. it is so strange and it's weird, and it's funny, and it's violent. and it's, Yes. And it makes you feel good about yourself when no, you watch a movie like it, that. it's great. It's like a really fun ride, but it's also just one of those... Like, if you've had a group of guys who you're friends with, I think it's really relatable, too, with that, like, friend-group dynamic. So. Right, yeah. No, and that's thank you for remembering this is the end, because I'm like, why am I... <laughs> yeah, I'm I forgot confused. about that. Yeah, they yeah. came out almost at the same <laughs> time. Um, all right, so my next honorable mention is Mission Impossible 3. Nice. Um, I'm a big Mission Impossible fan. Um, this is the this is J.J. Abrams jumping on Mission Impossible. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, he directed it. It is hyper intense. The opening sequence is like you're at the edge of your seat immediately. There is no there's no downtime. Sometimes like spy movies have a little bit of downtime, so you kind of like you know there's a little bit of fun learning the gadgets and stuff. They don't give you any of that at the beginning of this movie. You are in it immediately here we go um it's such a well-made movie such a well shot movie um the stunts are great the acting's i mean it's it's just a really good movie and it really kind of i've always liked the mission impossibles but the first one was great the second one i liked it but most people don't and the third one i was like wow that's how you make a mission impossible movie and then since mission impossible three They've gotten better and better and better, mm-hmm. and there's some things that happen in Mission Impossible Three that when you and that leave questions lingering, and then four and five expound on that a little bit. But in the new one that came out this year, they answer all the holes. Nice. They fill all the plot holes. So like they, I really hope they make more Mission Impossible's because this new one was so incredible. <laughs> yeah. But Mission Impossible Three started this great trend of where they go, and um, it's. Yeah, it's just a great, great movie. That's but yeah, awesome. Yeah, Abrams directed it. It was, his, it was, I think it was like, I think it was his first franchise film. You know, instead of doing other stuff that he's done in the past, <laughs> yeah. he did a lot of TV stuff prior to breaking into movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I think this is his first franchise one. So when he got Star Wars, everyone was like, well, he handled Mission Impossible (laughs) and Star Trek just fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He did, um, I think Abrams did, uh, he had a hand in the show Alias, if you remember that one with Jennifer Garner. Do you think that show, like the success of that show, is what got him to do Mission Impossible, maybe? Maybe. I'm not a big fan of Alias. I've never really watched it. I was just thinking, you know, from one espionage franchise to another. But uh, yeah, that's a really good pick. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, should I All move right. on to my first one? All right. So now our honorable mentions are over. These are your actually your picks. Yes. So. so before we started this podcast, I mentioned to you, Drew, that I was having a problem with this list, and the problem was one like there is a lot of bad third installments in movie <laughs> franchise. But the right. other problem is I was having trouble picking movies that we hadn't already talked about a lot on this podcast. Here's so. what's really cool is I have a... There are movies. Uh, do I have any repeats? I have a repeat... Okay. ...on my list that we've talked about. <laughs> yeah, I think I have two repeats that I've talked about. Regardless, as far as I'm concerned... Um, there's nothing wrong with repeating a movie if, it, as long as it fits the category. Okay, fair enough. Because, I'm just you know. They, I just figured we don't have to gush about the movie as in length that we do. <laughs> yeah. someone can go back and listen to a previous episode if they exactly. really want to hear it. Um, but you might have some new nugget of info you want to drop about that. <laughs> so. Well, I don't for the first one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, my first pick on my list is actually Army of Darkness. Uh, I talk oh, yeah, about this a lot on the time travel episodes, so go back and listen to that. But all I can say is I love the Evil Dead movies. I think this movie's really funny, uh, and it's also got a lot of really cool horror effects and elements, it and made it's just my a funny story. So. so nice. Yeah. Um, so then, that makes it really easy to go into my next one because the first two picks will be nice and fast. <laughs> um, uh, back to the Future Three. Okay, nice. Um, again, we talked about it on the time travel movie. We gushed about Back to the Future Three a lot. It's a great movie. So if you want to go back in time and take a look at our uh, <laughs> time travel <laughs> episode, uh, listen to this. But as a close of a franchise, it's such a. It's a very. What I liked about Back to the Future Three and I might have mentioned it in the previous episode, is it's a very solid standalone movie that you can watch by itself. Mm-hmm. It's very it's it's very contained. Yes, I want to watch the other ones before I watch it, but it's a very contained story. That's true. There's, an, it, there's like no way you could watch Back to the Future 2 without watching the first one. Right. Like it, you'd be lost. The third right. one is just such a well-constructed story oh, yeah. to be by itself. So, nice. Yeah. Um, that would lead into my next one, which we've actually, is another repeat for me, but, uh, Return of the King. So, we talked about this on our 2003 episode, I think. Yeah. When we talked about best films of 2003. Yeah, because it made, it was the best picture that year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I talk about this movie a lot on there, but essentially... This is a great ending to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and it was also at the time I had seen it, it was the most suspenseful movie I had ever seen. So I think it just really deserves the mention from that. So nice, all right. Um, all right, so this is the first this is a non-repeater. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Interesting. Okay. Um, I said that the Dark Knight trilogy is separate in terms of franchises because they were so adamant about this being brand new Batman, forget everything you saw. This is our, this is a trilogy. They clarified it as a trilogy. Yeah. Um so Dark Knight Rises, um, I am I have no shame in this, I'm a massive Batman fan, so I'm gonna like this movie going in regardless. But it's such a well constructed movie. And it's kind of an impossible task for Christopher Nolan because he made the Dark Knight. He did Batman Begins, he made the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight was so well received on a scale of it I for a lot of people, it is the bar for what a comic book movie should be. It is exact like I understand we have great movies like Infinity War and, you know, Captain America's Winter Soldier and stuff, but I still feel that the Dark Knight is near perfect. Like, right. It's it's a film that you like that's what everyone is trying to be and like it set the, it set the precedence of what you should be for a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. So Nolan had to leave the Dark Knight and go, well, I'm gonna go do a third Batman movie. I have to be as good. Mm-hmm. At the very least I have to be as good. And I really think he hit the as good mark. So when you say, what's your favorite movie from the Dark Knight trilogy? On paper, it's The Dark Knight, absolutely. (laughs) But The Dark Knight Rises is so close behind; it's it's almost like it bleeds into one movie for me. Like you know, I really can't tell which one I like better. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, the it's it's just great. They picked they picked great villains. They the whole thing from script to cinematography to you know action adventure the the gadgets to the you know all the Batman stuff. Um, The Dark Knight Rises also encompasses they they kind of put together. they kind of take the no man's land story arc from the batman comics with the nightfall story arc from the batman comics and kind of make them one story mm-hmm. and i those are two of my favorite areas of the batman yeah that's, mythos. yeah that's actually i never thought about it like that but it's after uh bruce wayne's batman back is broken um then it's no man's land takes over right where yeah it so it's like a, so the first half of the movie is all nightfall mm-hmm. and bruce wayne gets his back broken and then while he's mending his back, they go into Nightfall, uh, No Man's no Man. Land territory, and then it's No Man's Land, and he comes back, and as the the Dark Knight rises, yeah. the Dark Knight returns, technically, <laughs> and, um, you know, defeats Bane during the No Man's Land crisis, yeah. which they basically just took the two story arcs and slammed them together, yeah, which that's... is great. You know, I, I had a lot of fun. What I like about some of the things that DC does when they... So, so like... When I read, when I watched the Avengers movie, the the original Avengers movie, there, if you pick up Ultimates, um, I want to say Volume 2, Ultimates Volume 2. So this is the, this is a rehashing of the Avengers in the Ultimate storyline. And it was basically designed for new readers to pick up It was like, if you're a new reader to comics, this is what you should be, like, start here kind Mm. of thing for Marvel. So they had, like, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, and then the Ultimates was, like, the Avengers. But if you pick up Ultimates Volume 2, it's like a six-issue run, it is almost, cover to cover, the first Avengers film. (laughs) That's funny. And I watched the Avengers film, and when everyone was, like, raving about it, and here's me going, okay... (laughs) I already read Ultimates Mm -hmm. so this was it was was like cover to cover I'm like this whole story I've already read this like this isn't anything new yeah where when DC has adapted comic book when DC has made their properties it's like they take a little bit from this book and a little bit from that book and take, oh, this is a cool concept, and they st- and so as a reader, it's familiar territory, but I have no yeah. clue where they're going with it. I actually really appreciate that, too, because I know a lot of people want them, like DC, to pull from just really well-known stories and make oh, them into movies. Oh, but... my favorite, I think my favorite Batman story arc of all time is uh, titled, it's the Hush story arc. Yeah. I would love for them to make verbatim that movie, mm-hmm. but... At the same time, if I walk into that movie knowing it's verbatim, the comic, yeah, and anything's wrong, I'm going to be upset, and or I'm going to feel cheated because I already know everything that's going to happen. Exactly. Um, I know they're doing an animated version of it, which I'm real excited about. <laughs> I was going to say that... Um, that- just basically dc's like making animated versions of all their comic book and it's great because and i watch those and i'm like this is awesome it's like i can sit down and reread the comic without opening up the book i can just pop in the dvd and watch but i in terms of the live action material i really like the idea of me being familiar with what they're trying to do but still not knowing where they're going so i'm still guessing and Along for the ride, like everybody else. Exactly. I like that a lot too. And uh, even when they change stuff, sometimes it's like. Like, I go back to in Batman v Superman when they introduced Doomsday into it, but there's a line of dialogue that the Kryptonian ship says to Lex before he or when he's going to create Doomsday, and it says, like, uh, the Kryptonian Council forbid the recreation of such a desecration. Something to that extent, which means. This doomsday monster has been created before and caused so much damage that the Kryptonian council canceled it. They said this is illegal to do. And people, I don't think, caught that because they weren't familiar with Superman and DC Comics. And people didn't realize this isn't the doomsday. This is a recreation of doomsday. And the original Doomsday might be out in space somewhere and might come into a later movie or something right. like that. You there know? was a lot of seeds like that that Zack Snyder laid, and I think a lot it blew past a lot of people and that's yeah. where and I maybe it's me being overeducated in comic books, to where when I watch Batman Superman, I'm like, How can people say this movie's bad? <laughs> yeah. Like everything about this is gold. Um, but no, the Dark Knight rises. I love this movie. Um <laughs> And, yeah, and talking about this stuff makes me want to go watch Dark Knight Riders. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did, I got work in the morning, so I'm probably not going to watch it. Anyway, fair um, enough. <laughs> go nice. ahead. Okay, on to my next pick, uh, I guess, which is actually not a repeat for me, but uh, a repeat of one of your honor- honorable mentions, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Nice. My next pick, so. We already talked a lot about it, but I really enjoy this movie, and especially the puzzles in it, like I mentioned before. So Right, and that's cool that, that we sort of matched that <laughs> um, All right, so I'm going to mention... I'll save that one for later since I kind of pick... I bounce around my list. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm going to mention uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Nice. Okay, um, I match this one as well. Oh, so. fantastic. Okay. Um, so Star Wars... I mean I have a love for Star Wars. It's lifelong. It's deep-rooted. George Lucas basically created my childhood. Yeah. Um, so, but when I think about, you know, what third installments, it's Return of the Jedi. That was the third Star Wars movie. This was, I think, the first um, Star Wars movie I ever saw. I believe it's the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. I was very young when it happened. I think mm-hmm. I was, like, five, six years old. I remember being at a... Uh, It was a family. It was like a we were we were visiting some friends of the family. Um, they had all the Star Wars toys. I didn't know what Star Wars was, (laughs) but they were playing with Star Wars toys, and we're all playing and having fun. And you had these really cool figures and these cool creatures, and you know they had a bunch of the play like they had everything. And we were just having a lot of fun playing Star Wars. Yeah, we didn't know what they were, and I'm like these like the characters were just cool. And then one of the kids that was there was like, well, let's watch it. And instead of putting on Star Wars, the first one, they throw on Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So that was the first one I <laughs> saw. And then I kind of ended up watching them all backwards. So I my <laughs> viewing of Star Wars was skewed. I mean, I know which order to watch them now. but I know so many people who the first movie they saw was Return of the Jedi. I have one friend who up until like maybe his early teen years, that was the only movie he saw. But I think Return of the Jedi, it's... It's the the end of that trilogy, but it does such a good job of, uh, through dialogue and stuff, it clues you in on everything going on, and it does tell, like, a kind of complete story as the conclusion that works really well, and uh, for a kid growing up watching it, like, there's so much just imagination put into that movie with, like, the Ewoks and Jawa's Palace and just the action scenes. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit because... So, I've watched Star Wars. The The joke is that we've all watched Star Wars 500 times. Right. Okay? It's because it's countless. No one... I don't think I have any clue how many times I've watched Star Wars. Well, any of them. mm mm-hmm. uh, I could probably... Solo, I think, I've only seen like 10 times. But that movie's brand new. I've only had a chance to dig into it mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so, but every time I watch any one of these movies, I see something new that I've never seen before. Something I've never noticed. So... I'm gonna drop one piece of thing on there since, <laughs> okay. since your last pick was very short because it was a match. Yeah. Um. This is uh. This mo- This is something I noticed, and my mind was completely shattered. Okay. So if you watched Star Wars: or The Clone Wars, the television series, there's a character by the name of Captain Rex, mm-hmm. who now this is kind of a later add to the Star Wars universe. They created this character long after Return of the Jedi <laughs> existed. Now captain rex is one of the clone troopers and he survives through the clone wars Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the clone wars you would watch episode three revenge of the sith right and then you don't really know what happened to the clones well then they did this the animated series rebels yeah which that you get to see rex again he's rex is a part of rebels he's an old man he's got a beard. The creator Dave Filoni, who created the character Rex for Star Wars, has always said that there is a character in Return of the Jedi. There is a rebel, an old man rebel with a beard. Yeah. At the end, the Endor strike team at the Battle of Endor. Yeah. And you think to yourself, and he was, and he said, "I always thought it'd be cool that that was Rex." <sighs> Lucasfilm has never told me that he's not Rex. They've never gave a character name to it. I just always thought it'd be cool if that was Captain Rex, <laughs> That's and awesome. he survived that yeah. far. Now, this is where I'm going to blow your mind. Okay? okay. I've seen that guy many times. So that's not the thing I've never noticed before. Okay. But I've always noticed that that guy's there. It's like so when they when Dave Filoni mentions that's Captain Rex, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome. That's Captain Rex. Cool." Yeah. So then I'm watching Return of the Jedi and I'm like, "Hey, there's the Captain Rex guy Dave was mm-hmm. talking about." So I'm watching Return of the Jedi, because it was just on TNT, and I stopped flipping channels. And it's this, and it's a scene where they're on Endor, they're landing there, and there's the Captain Rex guy. Mm-hmm. And in the scene, they're sneaking up to the bunker, and there's the biker scouts. Mm-hmm. Okay, now mind you, before I tell you this piece of the story, <coughs> you got to remember that Captain Rex was a clone trooper. So he's worn Star- Stormtrooper armor. It's familiar to him, right? hmm Okay. They're sneaking up to the bunker gate, and you have the stormtrooper, the biker scouts, and then the one Ewok distracts the biker scouts, and they all chase him away, except there's one left. Mm -hmm. So Han Solo's like, cool, we'll kidnap this guy, and we'll sneak into the bunker, which is exactly what they do. They basically capture the one lone stormtrooper, the biker scout, and then they sneak into the bunker. While they're in the bunker, they get ambushed by troopers in the bunker, Mm -hmm. and then all captured. Mm-hmm. Han Solo, Princess Leia Chewbacca, and the troopers she took into the bunker get escorted out of the bunker to join the rest of the guys that are captured by the tr- enemy troops outside. Right? Yeah. You're with me? Mm-hmm. When they walk out and you see the rebel troopers with their hands over their heads, if you look to the right of the screen... You will see the Captain Rex character wearing the biker scout armor. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. I was like, I was completely blown away by that. I'm like, that's amazing. And of course, he'd be wearing the biker yeah. scout armor. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. That's awesome. So yeah, that was that was on my last viewing Return of the Jedi. That's something I noticed, and it was amazing. So <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. So you watched Return of the Jedi. I watched. Uh, so that was your pick. So yeah. That, did that come back to my pick again? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, my next pick is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, nice. Um, this is... <sighs> Raiders of the Lost Ark is the first Indiana Jones movie, and a lot of times it ends people's top of the list as the best Indiana Jones movie. That's what they say. Their favorite. Yeah. This, in my opinion, this is my absolute favorite Indiana Jones movie. It is a perfect film, from cinematography, to screenplay, to acting, to special effects... This is a perfect film. The story structure with him and his dad and, you know, digging deep into, like, you know, even the flashback with him as a kid. Like, everything about this movie is amazing. I can't speak highly of it. I don't even know, like, almost at a loss for words, this movie is amazing. Nice. Yeah. So, any thoughts on this movie or... um, I know we talked a bit about it on, uh, was it, I actually can't remember which episode but we did talk about this on a previous episode anyway <laughs> sorry for that uh <laughs> kind of brain fart but yeah no i mean this is a great uh film and i just uh i think i would just always brought back to all the just adventure parts of the movie and like at the end when they have to get into the um i don't even know what you'd consider it like the crypt or the tomb to uh find the holy grail the uh, and all canyon that. of the I mean, crescent uh, moon the, yeah and, uh, and the tomb and, of the whole the tomb of the man what's the name of that tomb it's where the holy grail's kept, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I mean just like all that and the uh, kind of puzzles they have to go through and everything, like I mean it's like it's a standard Indiana Jones adventure. Yeah, when yeah. you look at the elements of what makes an Indiana Jones movie, they need a creature, you know, they have the rats, they need some kind of catacomb or whatever to find the treasure, they need you know, they need a bad guy, so they have the Nazis, they have you know, they need the action adventure, they need the whip, they need the gun, they need I mean, they need the hat. I mean, Indiana Jones has it almost has a formula. So, right. like, when you go and you watch, like, Last Year's... I'm sorry, not Last Year's say Crystal Skull, and you complain about Indiana Jones, but then you look at the fact that they followed the Indiana Jones formula and how to make an Indiana Jones <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. You, you know... But yeah, like, yeah, But so, I, I just think... And then just, like, the Holy Grail and immortality and all that, like, that's just really cool concepts to bring into the whole thing. And it's just one of those... I think it's just one of those things, I'm at a loss for words, but you throw an Indiana Jones movie at me, and, like, you're right, like, it's great, and... Uh, I mean, I haven't, like, analyzed this one enough to, like, know if I would say it's a perfect film or not, but, like, as you're saying, like, it's a perfect film, like, it's really good, I don't know, like, there's nothing bad I can say about it, you know, per se. I have a a near-perfect, well, not near-perfect, near-screen-accurate Indiana Jones costume that I've slowly pieced together over the years, and I I, uh, whip it out every now and then with, like, you, I'm at a loss for, like, a Halloween costume or something like that, and there was a thing at work where um, I wasn't, I was off of one job on how, I was working double jobs at the time and I was off of work at one job and my boss at another job was like, hey, I could use your help if you wanted some extra cash because I know you're off the other job and I was like, oh, you know what, I know I was going to take a day off but I could use some extra money so why not and I went in and for, it was just for a couple hours but I was told that it was Halloween Yeah, and um, there were some preschoolers that were going to be treating through the, trick-or-treating through (laughs) the offices for like this halloween event so i'm encouraged to dress up i'm not required to but i'm encouraged to (laughs) yeah so i was like ah, you know what this will be fun so i put on the hot indiana jones costume and walked in and then they were all like you just have that lying around yeah (laughs) so um yeah i you know i i'm a big indiana jones fan in general but Mm -hmm. right nice anyway all right so last picks man Okay, so that would lead to my last one, which would is actually Toy Story three. So oh my god, that's amazing! Toy Story um, four. I was really saving this to wait as well. So Toy Story three is my final pick, and oh bring great, us, yeah. So we totally match this one. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, so the first Toy Story came out when I was in, I want to say fourth grade, and then uh, since then, like I kind of feel like, as I grew up, you know, another Toy Story movie would come out. So the second movie came out when I was probably in junior high and uh the third one i think came out when i was like just graduated college or like almost done with college and i think i went to see this movie and i like the other toy story movies but i just wasn't expecting to be hit as hard as i was like by the emotions i was gonna feel while watching this movie um it's such a good story about just like seeing like andy like the the character andy growing up and having to leave his toys behind and uh Just think about growing up and all the things you love that sometimes you're pressured to leave behind and all that. And just, like, the way they convey that, like, it's, like, impossible not not to, like, roll a tear by the end of the movie. Well, not not just that it's a movie about growing up because Andy's growing up. The toys realize that they have to grow up, too. Yeah. So the movie as a whole is about growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, This movie, I know a lot of people... In terms of rolling a tear, a lot of people that I talk to when we talk about this movie mention the incinerator scene where all the toys are going to die. And they're like, that's where I was like bawling. And I'm like, really? (laughs) That's the part that you cried? (laughs) That's not mine. That's not the part where I cried. That's not the part where I was like really upset and a blubbery mess. Because, and and I'll say this, that incinerator scene's awesome because Toy Story 3 handles the concept of death and the acceptance of one's own fate better, in my opinion, than any movie I've seen in the last ten years. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And I I was was astounded by how a children's movie handled that subject. Yeah. So I was more like just... It was such a gripping storytelling. The part that hit me real hard, um, and it's going to be hard to say this without you know really... um, tearing up so I'm going to try and get through this (laughs) um, is the part where he has to give up his toys. Exactly yeah that's what it's when he gives his toys away to the little girl and it's because growing up I was Andy like that's how I was with my toys that's how Mm -hmm. I played with my toys Um, and there are are toys that I have carried with me like I never gave them up I still have them they're packed away you know Um, but you know he's has to he gives up his toys and he plays with them one last time, and then he gets in the car to leave for college and he waves to her, and she makes Woody wave back to him. Yeah, and like you can see it on his face, like his heart drops. Yeah, just as mine did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does a really good job of conveying that. Like, yeah, it really sucks to grow up and have to give like like toys away. Like, if you want to just literally, like, giving your toys away, but I know, like, I've experienced part moments where it's, like, if you give a toy to, like, a nephew or a younger cousin or brother or whatever, and, like, you don't want to give it up, but you realize, like, no, this is actually better, like, this is somebody who's going to enjoy it more than you are now, and it's just, like, it's just really cool the way this movie conveyed that, and I never expected the movie to go there, and it's not really something you see portrayed in a lot of media in general, you know? And right. it just really... I mean, it's like a really special film for those reasons, I guess. Right. But, yeah, no, It's it's amazing. I can't speak more highly about this movie Yeah, um, and I honestly don't know what else to say about it uh, <laughs> yeah. so that'll probably bring us to a close for this week um, mm, for what, sure. uh, what are we doing next week oh yeah we're doing another list I totally forgot so <laughs> you forgot that's what we do really with, um, <laughs> with uh, the unfortunate re- recent news about Stan Lee I thought it would be kind of cool to do something comic book and superhero related okay. um, so I thought it would be fun to do our top 5 superhero teams so we can oh, talk about, man. like, individual okay. teams we like, and it'll be cool. Like, we can talk about characters and maybe uh, if there's certain team dynamics we enjoy and maybe some of Stan's creations will come All up right. in the conversation. So Cool. All right. Well, uh, superhero teams is next week, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that's going to be interesting. What about villain teams? Did they not count because they're not superheroes? I actually... Like, Suicide Squad is the idea in my head because technically... So, I was actually thinking about talking about this with you because Suicide Squad, it's like, yeah, it's a team of villains, but they're being forced to do something good. So I feel like we should allow it maybe, but what are I your think thoughts? I think Suicide Squad would be the one exception that, right. that we could allow. Everyone else is a villain team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the Injustice Gang is never good guys. <laughs> and you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, maybe Brotherhood of the Mutants would count because they crossed the line a little bit. Um. So I yeah. think I think if or, we allow uh, yeah, I think if we allow Suicide Squad on the DC side, we need to allow at least I one think, villain team on the Marvel side because Or maybe just if you have a way to justify that it's for okay. heroes. All right, it's that's like fair. you know how like the Brotherhood of the Mutants, like you could have an argument that they're actually in the right in a lot of cases. Right. So if you can justify it, I'd be I'd say we could allow it. All know? right, well if in that case, we'll uh yeah, let's it, let's just go with the justification. Because yeah. that's that's kind of a hard line to... Yeah, but, fudge, I, but yeah. I always like, as far as list goes, I always like kind of having an ev- everything-goes mentality because then it allows for just more exciting conversation essentially and more right on. things you can bring right on and stuff. that's all the that's the whole point of this anyway exactly so um i guess that brings us to a close for the night um hey everybody we're on itunes subscribe to us uh send us a review um we like the five stars but we understand if you want to give us a less we like the feedback anyway so i prefer you to write a review we'll give you a shout out i still wish i knew who wrote that one review um, <laughs> yeah so um, if you want to send us an email, uh, shoot us an email at top5report at gmail. It's top5report <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook um, at, at top 5 Um you can follow me personally at Drew on Twitter at Drew three nine two seven. Uh, Peter, anything? oh uh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Ninja Pierre, um, and then you can find me on Instagram where I'm in uh, Ninja dot Pierre because Ninja Pierre was taken. But isn't I've been that, trying to post. Isn't those. that weird? <laughs> yeah. I've and been you know, cho- like no one. I have these numbers. I put like I put three nine two seven at the end of my name. Yeah. And every time I try it, I'm like, no one ever is gonna choose those numbers because I know what they mean. Yeah. And then uh, when someone takes them, I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to post a little bit more artwork and stuff online. So check out my Instagram. Too. Right on. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. Ryan's just giving us a wave. We'll see you next week. <laughs>